I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. I've already tried recording this episode twice. Something's messed up on my end and I keep on skipping. So I'm recording on my phone. I do apologize for any uh, any distortion, but it's got to be better than what I've been dealing with for the past couple of days. So uh, let's jump right into it. Friends, we are, uh, you're listening to this on Tuesday. So we are nine days from opening day. Um, everything's kind of coming into place at this point. Uh, the roster, I mean, you know, the Mets have uh, cer- certainly some issues on the horizon that they have to deal with, but unlike years in the past, they're actually uh, <laughs> very, very well prepared for this. So, of course, top of the uh, top of the list, Carlos Carrasco, um, since the last time we spoke, this is going back to Thursday. Uh, Thursday morning, he threw 20 pitches in a side bullpen session. He's running sprints afterwards, and uh, he told reporters on Saturday he felt a pop in his left hamstring. That was originally diagnosed as a tear. Uh, It's now been re-diagnosed as a grade one strain, which big shout out to Brother Phil, athletic trainer, Brother Phil, who uh, raised an eyebrow at that when I I told him the the change in diagnosis. But hey, that's neither here nor there. Um, The initial return mark is six to eight weeks. I guess Carrasco said uh, he just wants to be ready. He's going to take it day by day and go from there. Of course, I'm paraphrasing. I, it certainly doesn't bode well for the Mets. Um, but again, they, they they have the depth in place to kind of absorb this blow. Everyone's kind of looking towards the back of the rotation as uh, places to kind of you know bring production levels up and keep them consistent. But at least in my eyes, this kind of lands more so on Marcus Stroman. Um, you know, he's been terrific this spring, uh, even coming over from Toronto in 2019, he had a first, uh, a shaky first couple of starts, but, uh, I mean, 3.27 ERA down his final eight starts in 2019, 2.91 ERA in September, and just five earned runs allowed over his last four starts of the season. And I, you know, the Mets were right in the hunt up until I would say probably the very last week of the season. So you know, th- those are some very big starts. This is a guy who can be counted on. And, uh, you know, we're all familiar with the work that he puts in, his uh, dedication to continue improving, all, all that good stuff. And, you know, he has a track record there. And he's a solid number two starter on pretty much any team in the majors. Um, going back to 2017, he's got a 3.65 ERA, and that's including a 5.54 ERA over 19 starts in 2018 dealing with injuries. So again, he's got the um, the pedigree. He's got the stuff. He's got the, 
the willingness to adapt. I mean, we've heard him talk about the new split finger changeup he's throwing this spring. Um, very effective. If you've seen a video of it, it just kind of falls out and dips over to the right. And from what he says, he can actually get it to dip both ways, which is, you know, that's just a, an absolute weapon. We've talked in the past about his, uh, his mirroring his, his pitches, uh, using the cutter to his advantage, all those good things. He uses different looks. He messes with hitters' timing on the mound. Again, he's just he's totally um, uh, adept at at rolling with the punches. He said it this week on on Twitter. He saw a video of someone throwing a chest high changeup. I want to say it was a a, a clip from college play. Um, and he's like, "Oh, I'm going to use that. I'm going to add that to my bag of tricks." And you know, that's just it goes to show you he's willing to. Um, to just continue changing, continue giving hitters different looks because that's, you know, it all comes down to adjusting. We'll get, we'll really, we'll get to that more in a little bit, but um, he's been terrific this spring, 2.70 ERA over 13 innings, uh, 13.1 innings of work. My apologies. He struck out 14. He's walked just two. That's a 0.83 walks and hits per inning. Um, you know, losing Carrasco Strowman said it himself. It's devastating, and it is. It, it it he said this too. It takes it takes the Mets rotation out of the elite conversation, and that's that's true to an extent. But again, you know, this is a roster that's been built for uh, a next man up sort of approach, and um, compared to years past, which again we'll harp on it again. You know, this 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 organization has really put forth an effort to shore up those deficiencies to kind of uh, be prepared in case of the worst case scenario. And, and you know, they knew that Syndergaard was going to be out till June when they put him on the 60-day DL. But, you know, losing Carrasco over the first few weeks of the season, it's, uh, it, it's certainly it's a hurdle to get over. But, you know, you just hope with the right mindset, that next man up mentality, it's going to take hold. It's going to reverberate through the group. And, uh, you know, Strowman's really, he's the guy to fire up the crew. Be the example. Show everyone else how it's done. You're a veteran, um, really, with the quality depth behind him and his determination to improve, his drive to compete. Um, they really, the Mets really, they might not miss a beat. It won't be easy, but, it you know, they have the tools in place to kind of get the job done. Looking back towards the back end of the rotation, uh, Joey Lucchese pitched on Monday. Uh, Mets lost 5-4 to Houston, by the way. Um, Pitched well. Uh, Luis Rojas said his pitches were, were looking sharp. He ran into some trouble in the third. Uh, two two runs scored on his uh, on his book once he left the game. You know, um, after the game, he said that he'd be willing to, I guess, slide into the opener role if the Mets choose to employ that. Luis Rojas has kind of alluded to it a few times this spring that uh, it's certainly an option, and you have to, you know, you have to admit that. Uh, if you can get three solid or four solid innings out of Lucchese and and he's your your swing man, so to say, um, that really opens up the door for a lot a lot more uh, different looks. And you know, Rojas said earlier in the week that, at least surprisingly to me, David Peterson uh, is a front runner for a spot in the rotation. And you know, this is taking nothing away from Peterson. He had an absolutely terrific season in, in twenty twenty. 3.44 ERA, 40 strikeouts, 24 walks, which is a little bit of an eyesore, but uh, 1.21 whip in 49.2 innings. You know, that's going to play, especially for a guy who's never pitched above double A. I think he had 13 total starts at double A uh, in 2019. 
4.19 ERA. Um, you know, that's that doesn't necessarily scream ready for the show. Uh, he had a 1.89 ERA over nine starts with single A in 2018. Um, that certainly gave everyone a glimpse of his potential. But, uh, you know, even this spring, he struggled to an extent. The Cardinals, I believe, last week or maybe a week and a half ago, um, it took him all of like two batters to get uh, a good feel for what he was bringing. And, and they, they were just, uh, you know, kind of tattooing him all over the field. And again, it's spring and, and this is the time for those things to happen. But, uh, you, you know, you'd hate for major league hitters to now have a full scouting report on Peterson. And, um, you know, they, they these are major league hitters. They're going to adjust. They're going to adapt. And I'm just, personally, I'm a little bit concerned that Peterson can't adapt at the pace that major league hitters will be adapting to him. Having James McCann behind the plate is certainly going to help that process. Um, whether it's going <laughs> to hold the bottom up, um, we, we shall see. But again, even if it doesn't work out, Peterson's getting experience. You have to hope that, you know, if he does get knocked around, it doesn't affect his confidence. Um, very important part of a, of a, a young pitcher's development, as we've all seen many, many times watching this team. Um, you know, you have to, uh, I guess, take the spring results with a grain of salt, but I would just be cautious. But again, it's not my call. But, you know, you look down the line, and, and Taiwan Walker's having a nice spring. Uh, two earned runs over six innings, five strikeouts, three walks. Jordan Yamamoto is, uh, is really, <laughs> he's shining. I mean, we've talked about him in the past. He's got terrific um, uh, secondary pitches, uh, uh, you know, an arguably elite slider. So, you know, there's certainly a place for him to ply his trade and, and, and give the Mets value. Um, you know, three earned runs over 8.1 this spring with five strikeouts on a walk. That That's going to play. Um, you know, not having the full arsenal at their disposal as far as the rotation. Will it put a little extra pressure on the bullpen? Yeah, most likely. But um, what we've seen so far this spring out of the bullpen is certainly a, uh, I guess you could say it's encouraging. Uh, Edwin Diaz has been terrific. Two hits over five innings, seven strikeouts, no walks. He's been outstanding. He looks like 2018 Diaz and, you know, knock on wood. That's what that was. But you have to, um, you have to hope for the best there and hope that really he, he has, uh, kind of harnessed that, that just immeasurable talent that he has. Cause it, it, you know, he has unbelievable stuff and that's never been a question. It's just a matter of control. It's a matter of letting that four scene that moves like a two scene drift into the middle of the, uh, of the plate. Like, you know, uh, little things, um, he can go up there and grip it and rip it, but until he learns how to pitch, uh, you know, it's going to be an uphill battle. And it really, this spring, it looks like he's learned how to pitch and he's doing it with a lot of confidence and it's good to see. Uh, Jerry's familiar. Uh, I can't say, <laughs> I can't say we have the same level of confidence in him. Uh, the walks are still an issue. Um, he, he's, what was it? Two earned runs over five, six walks. And that's, uh, you know, that's just not going to play. His velocity is there. Um, we've always liked his arsenal, but again, if the command's not there and he can't locate his pitches, He's not going to get um, high leverage spots. And, uh, you know, that might be okay because you have Trevor May out there. I've been calling Trevor May Mr. 96 on the black because that's what he is this spring. Um, living on the paint. Uh, he's dropping in like this mid-80s. I don't know if it's curveball or just an up and down slider. But, boy, just a nasty pitch. It comes in at a hitter's knees and just falls right out of the bottom of the strike zone. It's uh, 
very impressive. Uh, like what we see from him so far. Miguel Castro still hasn't allowed a hit this spring. 4.1 innings pitched. Um, he got a third of an inning when Jacob deGrom came out on Sunday. Real quick, we have to touch on Jacob deGrom. 13.2 innings pitched this spring. One earned run, 21 strikeouts, and three walks. Uh, living at 100, 101 miles per hour, which, you know, a little disconcerting. But uh, the, he, he's a, a freaking machine. He's built for this, I guess. Um, really, uh, you know, I know we talked about the rotation already, but we can't go an episode without talking about the... Uh, the wondrous doings and happenings around Jacob deGrom. It's just, uh, it's something to behold. But, um, yeah, I mean, in the bullpen, you know, you have to hope for the best out of some of these guys. Betances hasn't really shown much. Uh, Drew Smith and Erodis Vizcaino are both sidelined for uh, hopefully not very long. Drew Smith's dealing with a shoulder. Vizcaino's dealing with an elbow. You know, Rojas seems... Um, positive about it. He doesn't seem all too concerned, but I guess, you know, we're going to have to see. But, you know, this is going to be a team effort. Mike Piazza was speaking with the media on Monday from Port St. Lucie. He's in camp doing a instructor role for a couple of days. And and he, he alluded to the fact that a team has to have one heartbeat. And uh, guys picking each other up. And, and, and that's kind of what this roster's been built for. I guess you kind of have to look at it that way. I mean, moving over to the offense, I mean, you can have a bunch of problems everywhere. But uh, the offense certainly is not one of them. Um, there's really no cause for concern. Explosive is probably an understatement. Uh, in 2020, the Mets offense ranked fifth in baseball with 10 wins above replacement. It's fine, the Fangraphs war. Uh, 100, uh, excuse me, 121 weighted runs created plus. That was second in baseball behind the World Series champion Dodgers. In 20, since 2019, the Mets' 33.1 F war at the plate is good for ninth in baseball. 108 weighted runs created plus is fifth. Um, you know, this is an elite offense. The core really hasn't changed much. And, uh, you know, all the personnel are just kind of developing and coming into their own and, you know what? You, in, in an ideal world, this was the plan all along, but we all know that that's probably not true. But you know, you look up and down. You have Pete Alonso, Michael Conforto, Jeff McNeil, Brandon Nimmo, Dom Smith, J.D. Davis. These guys have um, they've proven that there's chemistry. They've proven, I guess, they've all settled into their respective roles. And you know, Nimmo's the place setter. You have your producers. And now you add Lindor and um, James McCann into the mix. And, and, you know, that's just a solid one through eight. You throw in depth pieces like Giorme, uh, Kevin Pillar, Albert Almoro Jr., who absolutely tanked a three-run homer on uh, on Monday. He made it look, I guess, if you look in the box score, it's a 5-4 score, but it certainly uh, a lot a lot less close than the uh, score seemed. Almora's bomb put the Mets back in the game, but... Boy, he freaking roped that thing. He's having a very nice spring. So is Pilar. Um, it just kind of speaks to the depth. I mean, even Guillaume, uh, you know, his bat has been um, confident. He's in the box with a head full of steam, and that's nice to see. He's been terrific with the glove at three infield positions this uh, this spring. He seems like he's, you know, on track for a, uh, a very prominent role on this team, and that's exciting. We're, uh, we're, we're very much... Uh, the leaders of the Luis Guillaume stand squad here. Shout out to the Dom Smith stand squad. What's up, fam? Miss you guys. Um, even Dom, he missed a little bit of time with a sore wrist and he hit a double on Sunday. Uh, you know, everybody can be looked at as a team leader. 
Uh, Lindor and Conforto, I mean, these guys are in the midst of um, contract extension negotiations with the team, reportedly uh, moving right along. But, you know, everyone's kind of staying tight-lipped about it, and you have to respect that. That's not really the place for a player, uh, a player's place to talk about those those things. Um, that's between the organization and their representation and themselves and their, their families. Uh you know, the media has a job to do and they have to ask about these things. But I don't blame Lindor or Conforto for, for kind of staying tight-lipped about it whatsoever. This is a, it's, this is a business and, and uh, you know, the focus belongs on the field. And that's kind of the, the uh, approach that we've heard from, from both of them through this process. And it's, uh, it's exciting, to say the least. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Lindor's, he's homered in three out of his last four games heading into Monday. Conforto's eight for 28 heading into Monday. Brandon Nimmo, who's already been tabbed as the leadoff hitter in most, uh, in most games, most cases by Rojas. He's 11 for 31 this spring. That's a one, two, three that opposing pitchers are really going to have to game plan for. That's a, uh, you know, it, it, it's a bright spot and it's not like... <laughs> It's not like that's the only bright spot. You can look right down the batting order and be like, oh, wow, well, how are we going to get this guy out? How are we going to get that guy out? James McCann's 8 for 26 this spring. Uh, we said Pilar is 8 for 26 this spring also. Um, you know, <sighs> Pete Alonso. Pete's hitting 382, 475, 794. He's got five doubles, three homers. That's eight extra base hits over his first 40 Grapefruit League plate appearances. His exit velos are regularly being clocked over 100 miles per hour. Like, there's no question he's back. We talked about it a little bit earlier in the week on the Apple um, regarding, I guess, the, the way the pitchers kind of attacked him in 2020, uh, exposing the weak spots that were there in 2019, if you look close enough. So just to give, like, a quick breakdown. Um, in 2019, here, where are my stuff here? I got my stats. Here we go. So in 2019... You have Pete's, um, his Bauer rate, 9.5%. That ranked fifth in baseball. 90.7 mile per hour, per hour average exit velocity ranked 38th. Well, both of them are well above league averages. In 2020, his Bauer rate dropped to 7.9%. You'd think that his exit velo would suffer uh, a similar fate, but it, it pretty much stayed the same, 90.2. So it only dropped a half a mile an hour. So Pete was still making really hard contact, but he was catching considerably fewer barrels. Um, if you look a little bit closer again, you can see why. So in 2019, um, anything that was in the strike zone, Pete just destroyed, just absolutely crushed. Uh, middle, low middle, uh, inside, outside, even going up top in the zone. You try to go upstairs on him and he crushed you. Uh, you know, it, it, you could look on StackCast and see his zone maps and, and just the whole nine box strike zone is, is red virtually. Uh, in 2020, hitters kind of expose, uh, pitchers kind of exposed that. They know that he was looking low and low middle, or just low in general. So, from a catcher's perspective, pitchers went either low left or low right 38% of the time last year on him. And, you know, Pete responded in turn, and he had zero barrels out in those zones. 
Uh, his hot spots from 2019 have turned into, you know, barely red spots. He had 3% barrels in the spot that he had 12% barrels in the year before. Um, you know, it's not going to play. And that's understandable. It was a very strange season. You have a spring training. Everything gets paused. You come back for summer camp. You play for a few weeks. And, and Pete struggled in those first few weeks, but he started to find his stroke. Then you have the COVID pause during the season, and it took him another week to find his 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 groove after that. And then, you know, during the last month of the season, you really started to see Pete turn into the Alonzo of 2019. He had 10 home runs in September. Uh, I think that was second in the majors. So again, you know, there was progress was made because his talent and his acuity as a, as a major league hitter allow him to make those adjustments. But without Chili Davis in his corner, um, adjusting to the uh, to not having um, video access in the in the dugout, and then also not having your hitting coach next to you, you know, those are hurdles that a young player might have trouble getting over. And and clearly he did. I mean, his whiff rates in those zones that we talked about before, the thirty eight percent low. Uh, 44% whiff rate bottom left, 58% bottom right. So that's uh, bottom uh, low inside, low outside, respectively. And a 74% whiff rate outside the zone, high and away. Even in, in that top out, um, high outside corner of the strike zone, he had a 43% whiff attempt, uh, whiff rate. And if you, like, you could think about it and say, oh, yeah, pitchers really attacked Pete uh, high and outside. And he, he fell for it a lot of the times. And, you know, We've talked about the cat and mouse game. This was like a lion versus a hamster at times. And, um, you know, Alonzo was just up there hacking. And, and you could tell that it was frustrating. He was, you could, he was visibly miffed many times during the season. He wasn't his regular, jovial, exuberant self. Um, he wasn't the Pete we'd all become accustomed to watching. Um, with a bat in his hand and just, you know, as, as the person speaking um, after the game. However you want to look at it. But, you know, he's swinging all over the place. He's swinging at anything that he thought was good because he's, he's chasing fastball. Um, he, he had trouble with the breaking ball in 2019. Again, pitchers are going to exploit that. And, uh, but without a game plan in place to kind of roll with that barrage of punches and the combinations that he's going to see, um, again, it's going to be a, an uphill climb. So, you know, Pete had to come into camp this spring with a game plan. And so, so far, it appears he has. Uh, he's made a conscious effort to step into the box with discipline and, and pitch recognition on his mind. Um, he noted, I believe it was last weekend, that he'd only chased four pitches all spring. So if you have that in the front of your mind and you're really just making a point to swing at your pitches and the results that we've seen so far being what they are, you know, you have a plan in place. And um, you can just see the confidence kind of coming out of his freaking pores when he's up there. And the sound, I mean, he had a double on Saturday, uh, 114 miles per hour off the bat. Like, you know, that's that's something you hear from from across the, the baseball complex. If you're if you're just like your town fields, um, you know, you hear that and you turn around and you can go find the clip. I mean, it, it is music to any any baseball fans ears. And, you know, that's the Pete Alonzo we know. Um a Houston Astros pitcher uh, attacked him. Oh boy, this is probably early in the week, but they tried attacking him high and away, the same zone that we talked about a little while ago. And uh, you know, it wasn't like some super hundred and ten mile an hour blast off of his bat. It was like high ninety miles per hour, but just the 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 way he adapts and the way he recognizes it. 
and and the uh, ah, how could I put it? He swings with such confidence at this pitch. Um, yeah, he's back. There's in my mind, there's no question. Pete Alonso is uh, he, he he's back, and it's it's you know it's the glue that's going to hold this team together. It's the glue and the magnet, baby. Any fish fans out there, you can go ahead and laugh at that one. But um, yeah, I, you know. We have a week and a half left until opening day. Uh, clearly, the guys are chomping at the bit. Um, we've seen the A-team go out there and just perform very well. As we've noted, the offense is doing their thing. The The rotation's coming together despite um, adversity. Uh, I, I, I can't stress this enough. Marcus Stroman is going to have a huge, huge year, guys. You know, write this down. I write, I write it on my wall. That's how I know that I... Uh, uh, I put my word on it. I put it on the wall. That's an old. We've been doing that for years. But uh, that that that's going on the wall, man. He's going to have a big, big season. Um, you know, ideally, you want the Mets to kind of cruise right along until Carrasco comes back, kind of not miss a beat there. And then when Syndergaard comes back, you know, you do have that one through four where it's DeGrom, three twos, and whoever can hold up that fifth spot. And it's... uh. Very exciting. I know we say it every week, and uh, until the <laughs> until the season starts, that's all it is. It's very exciting, but um, yeah, it, it just it feels different. It feels special, and um, yeah, like I said, guys, this was uh, my third attempt to record this episode this week. I had uh, my buddy Mitch Botanic was supposed to. Well, he was on. We tried once, and it came out like shit. Uh, some sort of, I guess, I don't know if it's a bandwidth or a. Or, or a Mic error, it's a brand new microphone on my end, but it was just skipping like crazy. But uh, we're going to be doing hobby episodes soon. Might even break that off into its own show. There's really no telling what we're going to do. But uh, having a lot of fun with this show, having a lot of fun with the hobby. Definitely want to tie the two together. Um, guys, keep on checking in on the Apple. Uh, at least one new article a day. Um, again, we have a little bit of media access, so keep it locked onto the Twitter account. That's at the Apple NYM, uh, on Twitter. Yeah. You guys know where to find us, man. Let's go Mets and, um, we'll see you next time.